Terrence Wood, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Not much, man. I am pumped up to be on your show and uh, super excited for you, man. So thanks for having me on. Yes, of course, brother. I appreciate you obviously just taking the time and, and being here this morning. And yeah. obviously, and, uh, you know, I told you earlier and I, I like to tell everyone in, in the show that, you know, I've created this podcast called Life After because I want a platform where men and win, women can come together and just share their stories, uh, share their life after events. Because in my opinion, I feel like we all go through life after events. And yes. all that means is what happens after uh, any type of event that you go through in your life. And so I just appreciate I you taking the time and, and being with us this morning. No, this is special, man. And I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. So thanks for having me on once again. Of course. So just to tell the, the world a little bit about uh, my guest today, Terrence Wood, um, I went to the University of Colorado in 2000. Uh, I was a freshman and Terrence was actually already at the University of Colorado. And uh, Terrence was just one of those guys that myself and my teammates always looked up to, you know, uh, in that type of setting, as you could imagine, we had so many different egos, uh, people always having a competition who could be the loudest and, uh, again, controlling, you know, locker rooms and, and even on the field. But for me, um, just talking about Terrence, uh, you were a guy that was just always down to earth and you were friends with everybody. You got yeah. along with everyone and you had that that leadership to where guys could really you know, just get behind you because it wasn't fake and it wasn't over the top. And so for me, as a young guy, that's what I remember of, you know, T. Wood in college. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And uh, T. Wood had a lot of uh, <laughs> things he needed to learn as well. But uh, from day one, man, you were focused, obviously a great athlete, or you wouldn't have been at the University of Colorado. But, um, you know, somebody that that got it, he understood that hard work was the key. You also understood who you needed to hang around, who you didn't. And uh, man, it's no surprise, uh, everything that you have accomplished and everything that you will accomplish. So um, as as older, former teammate, man, I'm proud of you. Yes, thanks brother, I appreciate that. And uh, you know, just to share a little more with our audience, uh, again, T. Wood, originally from California, um, obviously played uh, football at the University of Colorado uh, since his time after college, and we'll get more into this in a little bit, but you've been an, offer, an author. Uh, yes. you, you wrote an amazing book called Before You Go Pro, which, I, again, we'll, we'll dive into. And then for me, <clears throat> I know a lot of guys out there, um, guys that are doing great things, but personally, I don't know anyone better or even bigger in terms of you helping the kids and the youth. And so, Terrence, can you can you just kind of share a little bit about your yourself and, and even your childhood? Yeah, so I come from a, a football family. You know, some people have uh, plumbers in their background or, or electricians. My grandfather is a pro football Hall of Famer. Willie Wood played back in the Vince Lombardi, uh, Green Bay Packer days. Um, my uncle was an arena offensive coordinator in the Arena Football League. My dad had a cup of tea in the USFL. So I grew up around football. Um, you know, I almost didn't know who I was after I hung up my cleats and uh, had to kind of build my way back up after having such a long career in sports, playing 
through elementary, high school, you know, the University of Colorado with you, and then having a, a chance to play in the Arena League in Canada. Um, after that career was done, I didn't know who I was. So, um, you know, you figure a lot out. And the inspiration behind working with student athletes is that they don't have to have some of the same pitfalls that I did. Yeah, that's amazing. And just even the back up to your, you know, your childhood, yeah. um, that's that's pretty special. And, you know, I know a lot of athletes have relationships or, you know, uncles or people who played professionally. But for you personally, I mean, that was tremendous to be able to have that a part of your upbringing, because a lot yeah. of the, the guys and the athletes that I know, um, they just kind of figure it out as they go. And yeah. so you probably had a head start um, than most because you probably had the conversations and, and the talks just mm -hmm. within your family of, you know, what to expect and what not to compared yeah. to myself. You know, I never had anyone play at that professional level. So mm -hmm. even from high school going into college and the recruiting process, I had to kind of learn as I went. And I never really, you know, I had help from my uncle, but yeah. I never had anyone saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what you should expect. And so that, that had to have been amazing, right? It's huge, you know, and when I think back to um, opportunities that I had, it was because I did have those people in place. So, you know, part of trying to support young athletes today is to your point, I know most of them don't. So we're, we're trying to give them that education and support. So, uh, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, that's great. So, Terrence, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of just your your childhood and, you know, obviously you had a, a love for sports. How did mm -hmm. you choose football and, and what did that look like for you? So growing up, I mean, I played everything, soccer, basketball, baseball. So, you know, my dad has always been a big believer that young people that are busy are adults that are busy and productive. So I was busy. I remember, man, changing in the back seat, you know, to go from this practice to that practice or from school to practice. So a lot of sports growing up, two parent household, um, middle class family, you know, that, that definitely stress education uh, to to college graduates in the household. Um, but, you know, once they saw that I love sports, love football, just like so many others in the family, uh, it was it was a, a focus towards that. Um, I went to the high school that I went to because there was a goal to get a college football scholarship. That school was getting kids college football scholarships. So everything was very calculated. And unfortunately, those were some things I got away from once I got to college. Right. Absolutely. So obviously you grew up in uh, California. Is that correct? Yes. In the oh, Bay Area. In the Bay Area. So you, you grew up in, you know, the West Coast, uh, yes. California. Obviously, there's huge colleges uh, from yes. UCLA to USC. Uh, there's obviously a ton more. But for you growing up in California, how did you even think about or even consider the University of Colorado? Great question. So, yeah, you know, CU was big at the time in football, and, and we all want to be a part of a winner. So, you know, we got to see a lot of the, the Colorado games on TV. I really wanted to go to USC. Uh, I think a lot of California kids want to go to USC or UCLA. I wanted to go to USC. My grandfather had went to USC. So um, I kind of had my focus there, and then when they decided not to recruit me, I thought for a minute I was going to go to Oregon because they had been recruiting me for a while. The story is that uh, 
one time I was at home and an Oregon recruiter called me up and I was the last time I had talked to the recruiter, Marcus, he had said, the next time I'm going to talk to you, we're going to set up your recruiting trip. So when he calls, I'm thinking, okay, this is to set up the recruiting trip. Um, he says, Hey, you know, I love you've been recruiting you since your sophomore year, but unfortunately we got a defensive back that we didn't think we were going to get. We're not going to be offering you. I wish you the best of luck. I'm distraught. I hang up the phone. Uh, my parents' room was upstairs. Walk upstairs to my dad, say, hey, you know, that was Oregon. They said they're not going to offer. And he said, okay, well, you know, don't worry. Somebody else is going to call. And back then we didn't have the cell phones. It was the house phone. Yeah. <laughs> and right when he said that, Marcus, the phone rang, and it was Coach Embry from Colorado. Really? Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, I think for you and a, a lot of us, you know, uh, when you're in high school and, and you if you have an opportunity to go to that next level, which is obviously college, you probably have your top 10 or top five and, you know, you, you try yeah. to narrow it down to your top two or top three. And obviously for you, you just shared you're probably number one. Um, but what what advice would you give kids out there today to where they might have that five, top five or top 10? Um, there's a lot of unknowns. And, you know, like you just said, the recruiter called and there was a player we weren't expecting to get and he came. I mean, that's a that's a normal conversation. So what would what advice would you give to a kid today uh, when it comes to that? Great question. Uh, my advice to the athletes we work with is is to start inside. So you're starting with the inner peace and the inner confidence, because as you know, in an industry that's so competitive like football, um, there's going to be times where you're not the, the pick. You're not the top dog. You're not at the top of the depth chart. And if you base your confidence um, on the industry, then you're going to be on a roller coaster ride. So, you know, if you're talented, you're talented, you know, get a good film evaluation, but be rooted in confidence. So, you know, when you do get that call, that might not be the one you want. You're, you're firm in the fact that you feel and you know something else is coming. Absolutely. That's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that because uh, you went through it just like a lot of kids are even going through it today or it's going to happen to them. So thank you. No doubt. So you obviously, um, it, it worked out. You went to a, a major D1 program. Yes. Um, let's, let's talk about kind of your experience just in college and, and can you kind of just fill us in on that? Yeah, so, you know, you kind of started back to history and growing up, and, and I'm, I'm honest with everybody that I talk with, um, I grew up in a very disciplined household, so to be honest with you, I, I was ready to go, you know, get out there and see what life was all about, and um, obviously football was high on the priority list, uh, but, you know, I probably wasn't as mature as I should have been going off to the University of Colorado. Now, when you're in a part of a football program, you're a little bit in a bubble. So, you know, there's some protection there. There's some people watching out for you. But I, I probably should have been a little bit more mature, maybe even stay closer to home. Um, to Because it was just a lot to go from the household I was in. Plus, I went to an all-boys Catholic school. We had to wear uniforms. So, you know, it was just night and day. It was probably too much freedom. Um, you know, as far as academically, I went to a college prep high school. So that wasn't too hard, even though I fell on my face a little bit. It wasn't too hard to catch on um, academically. 
socially, uh, like I said, probably party a little bit too much, um, you know, and uh, as far as football, that was an adjustment. You know, that was definitely an adjustment because now you're playing. I, You can speak to this, but I think that high school to, to college jump is almost to a certain extent harder than the, the college to pro jump just because you're going against kids that are now 22, maybe 23 years old, and you're seven, 17, and, and, and there's a jump there, you know. So um, I definitely had to make an adjustment on the field as well. Oh, yeah. And, and then you, you talked about so many points that I just heard there, Terrence. And, uh, you know, first thing I heard was maturity. And yeah. so I guess one specific question, do you think that was just you personally and where you were at at that time? Or do you think that was direct a direct reflection on just the times in general? Because right. I think, you know, looking back when you and I played at the University of Colorado and compared to today, and mm-hmm. especially what you, you're doing, and we're going to we're gonna dive into that here shortly, mm-hmm. but... We, we, in my opinion, I didn't know what to expect when I got to college, you know, so we didn't have the resources and the things that are available today to kind of give us an insight or prepare us. And so do you think that, again, do you think that was more kind of you personally or just the times that we obviously grew up in and, and played in? I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think some kids are just naturally a little bit more mature than I was, so they can, they can catch on a little quicker. But I think the culture is what you're getting to. The culture of being a college student athlete uh, can present some unique things to a young man. And you're going to have to have a strong moral set. Uh, You're going to have to be able to tell people no, peers. Um, You're going to have to decipher and have discernment over who to hang out with, who not to. So I think it's the culture that feeds into the immaturity, which causes issues for some. Right. No, I and I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, for me, being a parent, and I know you're a parent uh, as well, you know, we, we want what's best for our children. You know, my oldest is 15. She's yeah. a sophomore in high school. We've had a lot of changes over That's the last high. two years, right? Yeah. But, but as a father, you know, I'm trying to, you know, teach her, but also protect her. And, you know, I can I know when she comes and goes uh, for the most part, I know what she's doing and who she's hanging out with. But then you go to college, you know, mom's not there. Dad's not there. Aunt and uncle, grandparents, whoever that that may be, who is always kind of there and, and hopefully watching out for the child. That's all gone. And so, you know, I know you said I could speak to it as well. And, and for me, that was a, a huge change because I always had rules and I had curfew and, you know, I was accounted for. And then you go to college and it's on you, literally. Yes. You know, you're within the program and they're keeping an eye on you. But still, that that freedom is, for me, it was the biggest change. Yes, it's a lot of freedom. And, and that's why parents have to watch how far these, these young men, young ladies are going uh, to school. You have to know your child uh, and, and know what they, they kind of may be inclined to get into. I think friends are huge. So if I'm a parent like we are, you know, when when your daughter goes off to college, when my son who's 17 goes off to college, um, trying to get a feel for who the roommate is, trying to get a feel for their family, you know, but to a certain extent, yeah, you're letting the birds fly out the nest. So, um, you know, you have to see if they fly or or fall. And um, 
they learn if there's a strong foundation, they usually come back to that foundation. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of fast forward. So you get to the University of Colorado. is It was a big change like it was for all of us. Um, CU was very competitive, um, great athletes at every position, um, yes. even obviously when I got there as well. So let's talk about your experience on just, you know, the change from high school to college and then how competitive it was. And, you know, obviously we were all great. You know, I always tell everyone you're all state, you're all conference, you're all world. Yes. But then you come to a major university and everyone is just as good as you are. And so uh, can you share that kind of with our audience today about, you know, your experience with that specifically? Yes. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, CU was amazing. I mean, it's still an amazing school to go to, obviously, and in a strong football program. When you're playing in the Pac-12, that's high-level competition. But when when we were in college, we were in the Big 12 and, and CU. When I went there and committed in 1997, when I ran out on the field for the first time, we were preseason number one in the country. So you got to think of the level of an Alabama, Clemson, you know, those type of athletes. And yeah, it opened my eyes. You know, I was in a bubble in the Bay Area and I was the man in that little bubble. But now there's kids from Louisiana, kids from Texas, Florida, and, uh, and it's survival of the fittest. A lot of kids don't make it. A lot of kids say, hey, this is not uh, this is too much. And they go home. Um, the ones that have some grit, the ones that love the grind and the process, uh, those are the ones that, that make it and, and survive. And then the ones that, that raise their game to another level are the ones that hit the field. And um, it took me some time to hit the field. Uh, I think that I thought I was better than I was when I got there. But when I got there, there were also some kids that were future draft picks. So I kind of had to timings everything, and I kind of had to wait my time a little bit um, to, to have those guys move on. And then when they moved on, we went through a coaching change. So, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. And obviously, those are all things that you went through, or I went through, and kids today, they're going to continue to go through. Yes. And so I would encourage kids, any chance or opportunity that you have, you know, if you are really good and you have an opportunity to go to the next level, actually sit down and do your research. Look yeah. at the guys that are there. Look if they're seniors or juniors. Um, look at the recruiting classes, you know, from the sophomore year. Because on, honestly, if you actually do your homework, whether you're a male or female, you actually can, can probably pick and choose uh, the best position you know, yeah. for you to have the best opportunity. Because honestly, a lot of people on the outside looking in, they don't understand that whether it's it's college or even professionally, it's all about timing, number one, and then number two, opportunity. Yeah. And and like you talked about, I mean, we had we had amazing players and specifically defense, defensive backs, uh, the position that you played. And again, we all come in and we're young and we're cocky and we wanna play and, you know, we think we're better than we probably are, but you know, there's there's a, a fine line between athletic ability and then knowledge and, and your playbook and, and those things. And so yeah. I just love that you brought those points up. So so T, can you can you talk about your 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 I guess you, you kinda talked about it earlier, but when did you actually hit the field? And you know, we talk about it in the past is being ready and being ready for your opportunity. Yes. When and how did your opportunity come for you? 
Well, for most young college football players, especially at the Division One level, their first opportunity is probably going to come on special teams. So my redshirt freshman year, I started to get some some run. Uh, I was on all the special teams. You start to get some nickel and dime action. Sophomore year, same thing. And then after my redshirt sophomore year is when the players that were ahead of me, who were very talented, got drafted. Uh, Damon Wheeler and Ben Kelly and that was the first chance for myself and, and one of my former high school teammates that went to CU with me Donald Strickland to get our shot as the starting cornerback so that was my redshirt junior year his redshirt sophomore year and it's your chance to break the lineup and see if you can sink or swim oh yeah definitely and you know for me I, I remember being there and I was obviously young uh, when I was there, and you were you were older than than me, but I remember every time that you were in there, you you obviously got your opportunity and you made the most of it. Whether it was a turnover, interception, and mm-hmm. so can you? I've I've heard you share some uh, of those stories in the past. Can you share one of those stories with us today? Yeah, you know, and um, I think that I love the game enough, and I have played enough football where. Um, even if I wasn't maybe practicing as hard as I, I should have or, or maybe treating my body the way um, I should have, um, I could make plays from time to time still. And, um, you know, I think my confidence wavered, but there were times where um, I was just like, forget it. I'm going to let it all hang out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to play next game or not, but I'm going to let it all hang out. And some things fell in my favor. I was I was taught at a young age to be um, turnover conscious because, you know, as my, my grandfather, once again, who's a, a pro football Hall of Famer, said that you, 100% of the time you go for the interception over the big kill shot. Back in the day, we could do the big kill head shot. Nowadays, they can't do it. But – it was like a hundred percent ingrained in me certain principles and turnovers was one of them. So if I did ever get a chance to play, um, I was trying to create a turnover. Yeah, that's amazing. And I like that you pointed out, you know, cause a lot of the younger guys coming into the programs, uh, you know, majority of the time they, they red shirt, they obviously get a year to kind of learn the system, yeah. um, get a little bigger, get a little stronger. Um, but Again, I, what I hear you telling these kids in any sport is that when you get that opportunity, you just got to let it hang out in yeah. terms of, you know, you can't be out there and, and scared and worried that you're going to mess up. Or, you know, I know it's intimidating because the coaches are on you and you better not screw up. But what you, what I hear you saying is that you just got to you got to go with it. Right. You, you got to go with it. You know, the times that I feel like I have regrets, Marcus, were the times that I didn't trust myself. So um, and then you're like, okay, well, why didn't you trust yourself? And a lot of times it's because an athlete feels like he's going to be pulled off the field or or reprimanded for something. So he's out there on the field, but he's not even playing like himself. So the times that I I see I had success, I was letting it hang out. The times that I think that I I didn't have success, I felt like I was second guessing myself. Yep, absolutely. So let's let's fast forward then, you know, to your let's say junior and, and senior year. Yeah. What did what did that look like for you specifically in terms of you know football and, and playing time and kind of where you were at mentally? So going into my junior year, I was 
our whole class was pumped up. We had a big time schedule. I remember we played Washington, USC, a lot of teams that were, they play now, but were out of the big 12 at the time. Um, I knew that I was at a big school. So even though I wasn't happy with my playing time, I knew I was playing behind great players. And I knew that if they got drafted, I could get drafted as long as I had two years um, to perform. Um, you know, I wasn't as focused on academics as I should have been. I wasn't as focused on uh, creating a network as I should have been. I got a chance to start uh, the first game, the Rocky Mountain Showdown versus Colorado State. This was the coming out party. I knew I was on a short leash because I had been forewarned by an assistant coach that, that kind of always took a liking to me and had my back. So I knew I was on a short leash and that um, the head coach wasn't particularly fond of me. So, because um, like I said, we went through a coaching change. So I uh, started the first game, got two interceptions. We lost, which kind of took a damper away from the personal performance. Didn't get off to a good start. Uh, the second game versus USC, and I was pulled before the game even ended uh, and was leading the country in interceptions. And, uh, you know, kind of things started to spiral for me that junior year from there. My senior year, um, now I'm the backup trying to get back on the field. And that was a fight, mostly special teams. Uh, had a big game in the middle of the season. We were on the championship run and, uh, and shocked everybody, played Texas A&M. They were undefeated, got two interceptions, kind of put me back on the map and then didn't play as well the next game. None of us did versus Texas. We got blasted 41-7 to out in Austin and then fell back on the depth chart again. Got some time late uh, in the season for the championship game and the ball game. So my career, man, was very topsy-turvy all over the place. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you kind of sharing that insight. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about was coaching change. You know, yeah. this is this is something that is normal uh, in 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 many different sports. Um, how did that affect you? You know, mentally, because obviously you went to the school because of the current coach that was there, and then for whatever reason, a lot of different reasons usually, um, there's a change, and yes. then it's a it's a different coaching. It's or number one, it's a different coach. It's a different mindset. Uh, oh. It could be a completely different scheme. So, oh, kind of, what was your you know, you don't have to get into names if you don't want to, um, yeah. but just your experience with that coaching change because kids, you know, are going to continue to go through that as well. Well, the, well, I appreciate you asking. And like you said, we're a teaching business. Our, my company's an education-based company, so this is good education. I tell our athletes, Marcus, to expect a coaching change if they're playing at the Division One level. Um, you get a little bit more grace, Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, but if they're playing at the Division One level, especially that cream of the crop uh, where we were at, you know, those Power Five conferences, they should expect a coaching change. So that means that, that doesn't mean the coach isn't a cri part of the criteria for you making your choice, but that does mean that there needs to be other factors that you like that school for uh, other than just the coach. Now, in my case, I, I love the coach. 
that recruited me, uh, Rick Neuheisel. And um, he is somebody that is a player's coach. People naturally gravitate towards him still to this day. Uh, he's a commentator. He's a media. People love Rick. So I fell right in love with him, just like all the other 17, 18-year-olds. Um, the interesting thing was that when I was coming out, Marcus, he was being rumored to be going to the NFL. So I wasn't concerned about him going to another college. I was thinking he was going to go to the NFL. So, you know, my dad actually asked him on the recruiting trip, the in-house visit, uh, if he was going to go. And, and he said, uh, I promise I'll be there your son's entire career. And he probably thought he would at that time. But as we know, um, things change quickly in this industry. So when a coaching change happens, it, many of the things that you just mentioned, a change of philosophy, a change in staff, a change in um, the way business is done, you know, and all of that took place uh, with us. And I only played one year under Rick, and I played the majority of my college career under uh, Gary Barnett. Yep. So, again, because it's, it's such a big topic today, in, in your opinion, you know, you every year we see kids that they leave and they transfer programs. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times it's because somebody gets fired or a new coach comes in and it's not the same philosophy or they're a passing offense or a running offense, vice versa. Yes. Do you think it's in the best, I guess, interest of the of an athlete to actually transfer programs because of a coaching change? Amazing question, man. Um, every situation is different. So, you know, I've been working with student athletes and getting them to college and we have to transfer some kids or, or you know, get them back home because the situation isn't right. And uh, in those situations, we take every situation differently. We can't paint a brush on it. In my situation, I wanted to leave CU after my junior year. I actually called my dad crying. It's all in, it's all in the book. So great book for uh, any kids out there, student athletes. But um, I called him crying, saying, man, get me out of here. This isn't what I signed up for. We're playing against the guy who brought me here because we had Washington. New Eisen went to Washington. We had them on our schedule the next couple of years. So I'm like, we're playing against the guy. The guy who brought me here isn't even here. You know, so um, I was over it, man. And my dad uh, listened to me. He heard the son out, and he said, you know what? He said, we started it. We're going to finish it. And he made me stay, man, and and uh, I probably didn't talk to him for the next couple months because I was mad. But um, the following year, we won a championship, and I met my wife. So when you ask me, should a player transfer? I think it's too much transferring going on. It depends on the situation. In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Yeah, and and I would agree with you because uh, it's not black and white. I think every uh, you know athlete and specific situation is different. So, yeah. um, and I love that you you know you do talk about it in the book. So, for everyone listening today, if you want to hear more about. Terrence Wood's story, you got to read the book. So. Yes, get the book. <laughs> awesome. So let's let's fast forward then, um, because for me, um, I know you talked about the coaching change. 
Um, and I talked about this actually uh, on the last episode with Andrew Walter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my best friends. Yeah. We both were offered full ride scholarships our junior summer at, the Arizona, at Arizona State University. And actually, Arizona State was my number one pick. But ultimately, I narrowed it down to two schools. It was Arizona State and University of Colorado. And the reason I didn't go to Arizona State was because Snyder, the head coach at the time, yeah. was was on the hot seat. And I was actually concerned about him getting fired and, and having no idea who was going to come in. Wow. And then obviously Gary Barnett, um, he was brand new to the University of Colorado. And so for me, again, I talked earlier about, you know, doing your homework. Yeah. I think that goes right into it of, you know, how long has that coach been there? Have they been winning? Is there any rumors of them being on the hot seat? Because, again, this can affect your future. And, again, we just want and, – and I know you talk about a lot about this. We want what's best for the athlete. And so, again, if you can just do your homework, whether it's you personally and yeah. taking things into your own hands or having that, that parent, that aunt, that uncle, that grandparent, whoever it may be, help you out, mm-hmm. we, we want to encourage athletes to do that. You're exactly right. You know, it's once money's involved, Marcus, it's a business decision. So you have to think on a higher level. It sounds like you you were doing it at a young age. You you still do now. So um, it's no mystery why you're having success. But um, you have to factor that in. Now, it's it's getting more difficult than ever before with all the money being thrown at these coaches and and the, the hot seat getting hot so fast. Um, for some coaches because it's about wins and losses. So that's harder to predict for families today uh, more than ever before. But there are signs, you guys, that uh, you can tell if if a coach possibly could leave. Like I said, we, we would anticipate it, you know, and sometimes it's a position coach getting an upgrade. You think about going to a school like Alabama, a lot of programs, smaller programs, want to cherry pick Nick Saban's staff. They want to cherry pick Dabo Sweeney's staff. So I may be going to Clemson because that cornerback coach is pumping them out. They're all going to the NFL. But how long is he going to be there? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's just wild that there's so many like just little things that you're talking about that can affect again the the athlete and, and the future and so yeah. it's 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 just hard because it's not a, a black and white answer or even I wouldn't response. be recruited to Colorado nowadays because they go six foot corners and over so I would if if I was coming out today I wouldn't even have a possibility to go to my alma mater yeah yeah which is which is wild so so let's keep going so um what did school like look for you? Because, you know, for me, that's important is, is school. And obviously we didn't know, you know, then what we know now. So what did what did that look like for you from the time that you got there to the time that you finished? School for me um, and my oldest son may see this and be like that. You're contradicting yourself. <laughs> um, school for me, dude, was an afterthought, man. I'm going to be real honest with your audience. Um, I remember even having conversations with my father before I went to Colorado saying, Dad, if I could go top two rounds, could I go? Like, I just wanted to get away with school. school the reason I went to school is because of football, man. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, with yeah. that being said, one thing that school did wonders for me 
uh, was, and I, I was able to do this almost by default, was create an amazing network. People like yourself, um, even friends from high school, man, that are doing big things because I went to a prep high school. So what I teach the kids today, man, is uh, you got to scrape the plate. You know, yeah, you're going to get the academics, but even bigger today, in my opinion, than the academics is who you're going to meet. You know, if you get a scholarship to Stanford, who are you sitting next to, man? Um, so school academically, I got by because I knew how to get by. I, I just got by. But um, I should have been, I was intelligent enough to do a lot better and put more effort into it. Um, I didn't put enough focus onto it. But um, school is a must as far as network. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So obviously you you shared your experience at, with school at the time. And I think, you know, to be honest, and, and I appreciate you being honest, um, I think a lot of us, you know, it was football first and then school, right? Yeah. But again, knowing what you know now, and I know you work a ton with kids today, yeah. um, there's probably a lot of kids out there that are like, look, I just want to go to school to play football. Yes. Do they? Can they still do that? Um, can they get bad grades, whether it's in high school or obviously once they get into college? Like, what's your knowledge and experience today than it was obviously back then for you? Yeah, no, today you, you can't play around because when we were coming out, it was a 2.0 GPA in high school uh, to, to get that college scholarship. They raised that minimum to 2.3 core GPA. And what that's done is there's no wiggle room. So as soon as you walk on that, that high school campus from your freshman year, you, you got to be doing decent in those core courses or else you're going to have a tough road to travel. And some kids dig such a deep hole that they can't get out. So um, academically, no, you can't play around. And and I was around probably a 2.7, um, but I went to a college prep school, so so they, they got me through. Um, you have to take the SAT, ACT, no college scholarship without that. And then once you get to the university, um, you have to keep a standard at the university. And just like you're raising uh, the standard of athletic play competition, it's a higher level academically too. So you got to step it up academically. The ones who don't, they get sent home. Um, and I was able to survive academically. There's tutors and, and academic support. Yeah, so so Terrence, for me, I would agree with everything you said. And I would just like to expand on that, you know, male or female, when you have an opportunity to get a scholarship, you can literally yeah. choose your, your degree. And you know, when you look at the statistics and the and the amount of kids that don't get to go on, obviously there's more kids that don't than that actually do get to go on. And so I just want to encourage any kid to actually think about the numbers and, and, and the statistics of, of what you're playing in spe specific to your sport. So if you're there and you have a free education, I again, I just want to encourage these kids to be mindful of that and think about the future because whether they get an opportunity or they don't or they get hurt or all the different factors that could happen, if you take advantage of your schooling and getting that degree, I mean, for me, I believe it just opens so many doors, number one. And then number two, I think it's amazing that you talked about the network, whether it's the players and the coaches and the people that you meet or even, you know, people that are scholarship donors. Um, it's it's amazing. And, you know, we, we did the right thing. 
Um, I know when Barnett came in, he implemented uh, scholarship donors paired with a student athlete, which was 100% legal. And, you know, I, I, I had roommates at the time that were like, man, screw that. You know, I don't care about so-and-so. I don't know them. They don't know me. And yeah. and for me, I was like, I was I was amazed that I was able to, to meet the Fisher family, who is, is an amazing family. And um, literally, it's been 19 years that I've been friends with them. And wow. now, literally, we just went to the, the CU Nebraska game together. I was sitting in their suite. Um, just very well connected, huge network. I know they're the type of family that if something bad happened, I fell on tough times, I could literally pick up the phone and, and call them and, and ask for help, and they would be right there to help me, whether it was them personally or pointing me in the right direction. So I think it's amazing that you talked about the opportunity that these have these kids have because, again, when you're there and you're playing in it, you're not thinking about the future and life after football, life after sports. But, again, I can guarantee you 100% it's going to come, whether it comes after college or after your professional career, which could be three years, five years, maybe 10 years if you're lucky. But, again, it's going to come to an end. And if you literally take advantage of those opportunities, it could, be, it could literally be life-changing. Exactly. The, the network is the net worth, you know, and um, college is the perfect breeding ground to cultivate an amazing network. You know, some of these kids, Marcus, you went to a great high school. Some of these kids are already going to blue blood high schools, Ivy League type high schools, Pac-12 type high schools. So are you cultivating relationships with the kids that aren't football players at your high school? And then once you get to college, just like athletics steps up a game, academic steps up again, you should step your networking up. You know, I, I literally worked with a young man that went to Stanford. Um, actually, unfortunately, rest in peace, he passed away from cancer uh, about three years ago. But I uh, worked with a man and young man, great young man named Tyrone McGraw, and literally made friends with the, the young lady that was sitting next to him in class at Stanford, who happened to be basically the heiress of Mrs. Fields' cookies. You know, um, I've got a friend who married the princess of Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and had met her at Pepperdine or Loyola Marymount, one of the two, met her in college, yeah. you know. She didn't know, or, or he didn't know, was with the, the girl for six years or so, and she said, finally, I'm gonna tell you who I am, you know, <laughs> but, but that doesn't happen unless you're in college. Yep, absolutely, and I appreciate those examples because, again, you just never know. Um, just, again, back to my point, and, and your point is is taking advantage of those opportunities. So um, let's let's get to your the end of your college career. Um, you know, speaking for myself, I would I would think that probably 99% of the, the people in the locker room, the, the players in that locker room, we all want to go play in the NFL. We want to go play professionally. Yes. What, did, what did that look like for you at the end of your college career? So for me, I mean, 100%, plus we had a great season that year, you know, so we were in the BCS Championship Series, which is the playoff version of today. So, uh, you know, a lot of kids are supposed to get pro shots, which which didn't happen. Um, so, you know, I obviously had my mindset on the pros, the NFL. That was the whole goal since I was a little boy, so that wasn't going to change. Um, 
you know, I didn't prepare like I should have. Once again, I wasn't treating my my body correctly. There was some entitlement, you know, feeling like I was good enough, feeling like we had a great season, listening to people saying you should get a shot. My grandfather's passed, you know, so there was, I think, a level of entitlement where I just felt like it should happen. And to make a long story short, man, flat out, I didn't prepare enough to uh, run fast enough. So I ran a bad 40 time on uh, our pro day. And just because of showing a little bit on film and my grandfather's background, I was able to have some private workouts with uh, the Raiders, the, the Packers, the Bills. I had too many private workouts um, and, and fumbled them in one way or another fumbled them um and you never get that back so then i went on and played in the arena league in canada for uh roughly about five years you know six years and then gave it up but um yeah man that's part of the passion behind what i do is that uh there's that window and if you're not doing things right during that window you might not get it back yeah and obviously specific to what you're sharing is you know for your position uh, I think speed is probably one of the first things that they look at, right? And yeah. of course, it changes, you know, depending on the on the position that's being played. But for you, like you said, you know, that was one of the things that you just didn't prepare well enough. And for whatever reason, and again, I believe everything happens for a reason, yes. but you just didn't get that opportunity, but you still found a, a an opportunity to go play in, and play in Canada. So was was that still fulfilling for you? Were you satisfied, you know, being able to go play for another five years after college? Yeah, you know, it took some humbling because, you know, once again, I was feeling entitled. So um, I had some opportunities coming to me while I was pursuing NFL still that I, I kind of shunned because I thought that was beneath me. And then what happens is some NFL opportunities dried up and I'm like, oh man, I, I actually had a child on the way. So I was like, I need to make some money and I want to do it playing football. So these people are paying. And, and at the time, uh, you know, the money was decent. And uh, so I, I took the, the leap and actually started with arena football. And uh, at that time it was, it was good pay. Probably the minimum was about 38,000. You're playing four months out the year, you know, so you're good. The, there were guys making 150, you know, some of the top guys, 200. So um, the, there was a good range. Most of the NFL teams owned arena teams at the time. So they were actually hiding NFL guys on arena rosters that they didn't put on their practice squad or they wanted to develop. So, you know, guys were going to NFL Europe. I didn't go that route. So, you know, it took me humbling myself. But once I did, I realized that the level of competition there was damn high, too. And then also um, I had some fun. But, uh, yeah, six years and then I, I, I was ready to there's politics there. I was ready to get over it. Yeah, absolutely. So here we are that, that we're, we're speaking specifically to the whole purpose of this platform. And that's life after. Yes. So. So, you know, fortunately, you, you got to play another five to six years after school. Yes. And then when did that come to an end? Like, when did you decide you were done? Was it your mental? Was it your physical? Like, how did that come to an end for Terrence? So I knew I was done at year five. I got released from uh, a team in Austin, was actually on the same team with Darren Shiverini, former teammate, uh, Buff. 
offensive coordinator, receiver coach. So um, I was on a team with him, got released in the offseason, and I was done, Marcus. Took a year off and coached um, and got a call from one of my grandfather's former players that just got the DB job in Canada, and he brought me up there. And I had already kind of thought I was done, but after that experience and once I got released there, I said, I'm, I'm through with it. So, you know, for me, <clears throat> as for most players, man, it's pretty difficult. The, the transition is difficult because for so many years, you wrap your identity in one thing. And then when that's done, do you know who you are? And in my case, I did it. So, you know, and then, and then you don't get the same respect as you did. You know, uh, the money might not be the same. So it was difficult. Started in the corporate world, advertising sales, worked my way up. Um, started feeling like that wasn't for me. I want to give back to the athletes, seeing so many athletes self-sabotage. And that's when I uh, decided to write the book. And, and the business uh, was created off of the book. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so I agree with you because when when you're done and and it's your time, it's it's hard. And uh, you know, for me personally, it took me about two years to figure out what I was gonna do next. Wow. And I literally I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even watch football for the first yeah. year. I wow. watched maybe a handful of games the second second year. But for me, it was about two years. Um, was there any lag time for you between when you're done and and getting into the business world? No, and and that's I'm glad you asked that because you probably since you had a successful NFL career, you you probably had some some grace money, you know, a little reserve built up. Um, most players don't have any reserve built up, whether they're finished after NFL, Canada, Arena, college. So those guys have to jump right into the workforce, and that's what I had to do. I had a young child, and and there was no money anyway. So I had to jump right into the workforce, man. And, and uh, that's a difficult challenge for a lot of guys, especially if you're jumping into something that you never wanted to be in anyway or that you you kind of didn't have a passion for. You know, you're just doing it for the money. Right. I agree. So I know just from what I know about you and and your personality and, and things that you continue to do on a, on a large scale, yeah. is it safe to say that you found your passion? within the 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 world of helping you know young athletes and and student athletes oh definitely yeah we've we've gone all in as they say uh marcus with the before you go pro and like i said it started with the book just kind of it was therapeutic actually i recommend that for you too um to to kind of get your story out there remember some of the things you've been through help teach others. But then I knew, wow, it has to be more than a book, man. The industry doesn't have the time to focus on the individual. Um, so I wanted to create something that was off the field, that started at a younger age, that really gave back to the student athletes, these football players in particular. So yes, this is definitely my passion. Uh, practitioner, we work with kids. I, I probably talk to a kid as soon as we hang up, you know, and uh, these are real families, real stories. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm gonna get into the book and I'm here in a minute, but just back to kind of what you said uh, about a book. You know, there, there might be a lot of men and women listening, yes. whether, and it doesn't matter if they played sports or in the in the business world or the real world, but I know there's a lot of people that have a story to tell. Yes. But even for me personally, I actually went down that route um, 
and just the way kind of my mind works is that if I'm going to do it, I got to do it big, you know, and and I know there's easier ways to do it and you can do self-publishing and, and, you know, other options or resources available. But for me, I wanted to do it big and I actually I did a, a Kickstarter campaign and okay. I remember I remember actually talking to you about that because you actually oh, yeah. did did that as well. Yeah. But I guess the question is, is what can what advice would you give to men or women out there today that do have a story? Because, you know, a lot of times people don't even think they have a story and they actually do. But what what advice would you give them to actually to push forward and move forward, whether it's on a smaller level or a big level to actually write a book? Yeah, you know, for me, it kind of started off as journaling or a diary. So I I would start there is, you know, we, we constantly find ourselves thinking about ideas or thinking about the past or things we've been through, you got to start documenting that stuff. Whether you, you know, you capture it on your phone or you write it down, start documenting that stuff. For me, as far as, and it's crazy, Marcus, because I went to see you for journalism. So I've always loved writing. Um, I didn't get out the, the gates great academically and they switched my um, my major to sociology. So it's it's always been fascinating to me to get back to writing because I've always enjoyed writing. And for for people that are thinking about their story, everybody has a story, like Marcus said, you know, um, and you you don't know and you shouldn't judge whether or not somebody's gonna get value out of your story. Chances are a lot of people will. So, you know, I think people should do a story or have somebody, you know, uh, help them ghostwrite it for their themselves and their family. But a lot of times, a lot of other people will get value out of it, too. So just start documenting. For me, the creative process is once I start, once I have my uh, chapters or my template, then I can go from there. So I actually have another book that I'm, I'm about to start writing and it doesn't get serious for me until I have the chapters and then I fill in the content. Yeah, that's amazing. Is there a place that you can you know, recommend to people to go and say, hey, this is a great website or a great resource or you know, I know even a Kickstarter campaign. Um, yeah. Is there any place that you found along the way that can kind of help people give them that kind of extra push that they might need? Yeah, you know, I, I self-published, so I went through a company called Outskirts Press. Um, and, uh, you know, when you self-publish, you have to do the marketing. So, you know, you'll get the biggest cut, but you got to do the work. So it, it depends on what game you want to play. If you're trying to play a local game or this is something for my family, a keepsake, then then you you can self-publish and you can do some uh, things on a lower scale. If you're saying, hey, I want to see if I can get this to a New York Times bestseller, then that's a whole nother game. A lot of research on YouTube for me. And then, like I said, um, and then also you guys should make multiple formats because people consume differently. So ebook, audiobook, paperback. Thanks. That's amazing. And I appreciate you sharing that with you. With, with the people today because uh, I'm sure there's someone listening that's going to say, you know what, these guys are right, Terrence is right, he did yeah. it, um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and yeah. I'm just going to take that leap and, and actually do it. So I appreciate you sharing that, Terrence. Do it.
So, so let's let's get into the book. I know I keep I keep putting it off, but you know, for me, I love to kind of hear your your story and, and your journey because we all have that that journey and that story. And 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 as I talked about earlier, we all have a life after experience, and and we yeah. just talked about yours. But let's talk about today. You know, you yeah. you wrote the book before you go pro. Um, you're working with children. I really want to open up and expand on this so our audience knows exactly what Terrence Wood is doing today. So can you kind of just dive right into it? Thank you. Well, here is the book. And this book has been out, you guys, for about six years, but it's, it's timeless, especially for student athletes. Uh, it goes through everything, my journey, the journey of others, and the business so many people, Marcus, don't know the business. They think they do or they're getting advice from somebody. Some of the things that you mentioned about evaluating how long a coach can be there, we talk about that in the book. Um, there's athletes today that are getting letters in the mail. They're getting a phone call. They think that they've got an offer or that that school's recruiting them. There's a chance that it might not go any further than that. How do you decipher that? So, you know, in the book, we talk about all of those things. Once again, I come from a football family. So the very first sentence is once I saw my grandfather walk across the stage and have that gold blazer placed upon his shoulders, I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I was only nine years old watching him get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And then it was like all out guns blazing, man to follow in his footsteps. So all of that is in this book. Unfortunately, uh, one of the last chapters is bent and hobbled and my grandfather has severe dementia. If I walk into um, his his room at the senior home right now, he wouldn't even remember who I am. I have to remind him, you know, so there's a price that we pay. And uh, I know that all of these athletes, just like you and I, have paid a price. These athletes, whether man, man or woman, are going to pay a price, man, physically, emotionally. Um, so that is what the, the business was about. After we, we finished the book, I started feeling like it wasn't enough. So we created Before You Go Pro, the student athlete development, mentoring and recruiting company, we do a lot. And what we do is, uh, I like to say content, coaching and advocacy. So we provide weekly content. Uh, as you see here, these are two young men. The young man on the right is uh, at Oregon, running back the young man on the left um, with the white shirt. He's at UCLA. You know, we provide content to these young men, podcasts, videos, uh, MP3s, the whole deal, webinars to teach them the business of football and how to thrive on and off the field. The coaching is what we do, like what we did for Dustin Woods. This young man is the strength and conditioning coach uh, for the Los Angeles Rams, assistant strength and conditioning coach. A matter of fact, one of our former teammates, Marcus, was the one who tipped me off to Dustin, Cedric Cormier. He was coaching him at Miami of Ohio. He said, Terrence, uh, I love this young man, but I don't have time to feed into him individually. The industry doesn't have time to feed into him individually. Can you see it before you go pro can do something? We started feeding into him, supporting him, letting him know that he was valuable with or without a ball in his hands. And now he took all of that, that energy, that work ethic that he had from football, and he's a strength and conditioning coach for the Rams. 
you know, so he's not sitting back depressed or wondering what's next. Like so many athletes, he's already living his dreams, making a lot of money. He's in the NFL just like he wanted to be in the first place. So um, with our business, we work with kids day in, day out, in between the ears, teaching them the process of landing a college football scholarship, but also uh, on, on how to make sure they thrive off the field, the networking, the whole nine yards. This is a college tour. We took these kids to four universities in two days, uh, a lot of camaraderie, bonding, and uh, all of these kids are going to college. So very excited. Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> I'm literally like, I know I have a long sleeve on, but I, I have goosebumps because oh, I, I love that you're just sharing this with the people today and the people listening because, uh, you know, even on, in these podcasts, you know, we we talk and we give advice. But for, for myself as a parent and, um, you know, going through the process and for the parents out there today and they have a child. Yeah. It's like, you know, where do I turn? Who do I listen to? And and for me, it's amazing because you, Terrence Wood, you're, you're actually doing something. You're, you're helping. You're contributing. Um, you know, for me, I love that I've been able to to watch and, and see you grow from kind of where you started and and where you're at today. And I know you have a long ways that you want to go. But, you know, for me, I'm on the daily text messages. I get the inspirational text yeah. every day. I yeah. get the email sent to me. Um, yeah. My my son, he's 12 years old. This is his first year of, of tackle football. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, and honestly, fortunately for me, I've been through the process. But a uh, majority of parents out there today, they didn't get a play in the NFL. They didn't get to experience college. They didn't experience the, the recruiting process. And everything that we're talking about right now, and, and that's what I was you know, kind of pushing off to the end, but it's so exciting, is because you have a platform that you've created because you care about these these students, not just, you know, young men, it's it's men and women, and then even the parents. So now you have an, an opportunity for the parents to be engaged, to, to watch and to listen and to learn, because then they can help guide and teach their student athlete of what to expect, what to do, what not to do, the pitfalls, uh, things that we're talking about today, obviously, you know, school and, and college and the networking opportunities, you've literally taken the time and the energy and you put it on paper and, and, and people have the opportunity to read the book before you go pro. And then now Terrence has created a platform for you and again, the student athlete to actually plug into. And mm -hmm. so... And, and I actually should have asked before we started today, I don't know how much in detail I can I can talk about kind of the platform, but can you kind of expand on where that platform is today and, and kind of what your goal is? Yeah, no, so, and I appreciate everything you're saying, and you've been such a help and, and a proponent of, of what we're doing. You know, you've given back for the college tour, for the business, so we definitely appreciate you, and I know you believe in, in what we're doing. Um, right now, we currently, as we speak, have an online membership site that athletes, parents, coaches can go to. We, we've got a whole entire athletic association in Florida that we're working with. And it's a 24-7 membership site where these athletes at, at their leisure can go on. And it goes from freshman year of high school all the way through second year of junior college. And they can figure out what they need to have academically, athletically in place, and socially 
to manifest a college football scholarship. Right now, we're only working with football players, but eventually we will expand. But right now, you know, they can consume that content. Um, a lot of them go with recruiting companies and some of them end up getting robbed by companies because they're unaware of the process. Well, we've got a DIY site where you can figure it out and do it on your own um, on our website. And then for the athletes that do want the handholding, we, we do the handholding. We handle uh, scholarship recruiting for them as well. Uh, we also do weekly live content because I know you've been on some of our podcasts. Yep. We do weekly videos like you mentioned. Uh, the morning quotes is an original morning quote. You guys, this doesn't come out of a book or a, a, a online source. This is an, a thought or a quote from me that goes to all the athletes and parents just to get them on the right foot to start off their day. So we're very passionate about feeding into our audience. Um, we want to put the ball back in their hands so that when things come up in the industry, uh, they feel prepared. Yeah, it's amazing. So, so two questions. Number one, where can people order the book from? Where do they go to order the book? Great question. So right there, I think um, the website is up. It's on Amazon, but you can go to www.beforeyougopro.com and, and we have all our resources. We're doing a free trial, seven-day trial for um, our membership site. The book is on there in three different formats. Um, a matter of fact, I would love to give your audience, I can send you a link, Marcus, but um, maybe you can put it in the notes when you share the show. I'd love to give everybody who listens to the podcast a free audio book and I'm narrating, but it's, it's a great story. It's, you know, there's some laughs, some cries. It's very real. Um, as honest as I've been on your podcast, I'm, I'm even more honest in this. So I would love to give everybody in your audience a, a free audio book. That's amazing. And and I know they would love it. I would obviously love it. Like I just talked about, I'm plugged in. And yeah. so I want them to have the opportunity to, to get plugged in as well. So for for the, the parents and the, and the coaches and, and the athletes, how do they get plugged in to what I'm already plugged in with the text messages, the emails, and then obviously the new platform? Um, where do they go for that as well? So with Before You Go Pro, if you go to the website, www.beforeyougopro.com, there is already tons of free content, you guys. There blogs, everything. So go there, check us out. If you like what you see, click on the free trial option on the home page, and it's going to take you to a packages page where you can see exactly how you want to plug into our business. If you want to do the free deal, take the free deal. If you want the level of support that Marcus is talking about, where you get the morning quotes, you get the weekly content, the live, the other people, we have partners and we have coaches and business professionals that come feed into our kids. If you want that, it's right there in the packages as well. And then the kids who do want the recruiting service and the mentor. We have mentors at our highest level of service, Marcus, that are former college football players that literally are accountability partners for our athletes. So if you go to www.beforeyougopro.com, click on the free trial link right there on the homepage, you'll be able to find everything. Thank you. Uh, that's that's amazing. Victor, can we pull that up, please, real quick? I just want to make sure that uh, everyone can see that. Obviously, when we, we post this, we'll, we'll share the links as well. So Great. Thank awesome. You. So so I want to have one last real conversation with you, Terrence. Um, 
I just applaud you. I appreciate everything that you're doing. You're giving back to our youth. Um, you're you're pouring into them. Your your heart is literally amazing. And for me, I know you you mentioned it earlier. You know, I've I've done what I can. I've donated. But to be real and to be honest, for you to continue what you do, it's 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 going to take some money and it's going to take some partners. Um, you know, per, preferably some players that maybe played and that we all played with. You yeah. know, I would encourage them to to contact you directly and just call you and say, hey. How can I be involved? How can I help? That's yes. that's one. Number two, I think just from knowing what you're doing and conversations that we had, I think we need a big money uh, person, male or female, to come in that is literally listening listening today, that goes on your website, that checks out your book, and yeah. says, you know what? What Terrence is doing, it is amazing, and he's actually helping and changing the future of our youth, which is which is amazing, but yeah. so important. And I'm actually willing to get behind Terrence and his cause and his company. And so can you please talk about the opportunities that, whether it was myself, players that we played with, or people that literally can write a check yeah. to, to move forward what you've already started? Wow, man. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity, Marcus. You've given me the alley-oop here, so <laughs> let me dunk it home. No, um, you're right. And, and once again, we, we really appreciate everything you've done for us. But this is something that obviously, hopefully, you guys can tell I'm passionate about, I'm serious about. We have a team of eight amazing people that are right behind me with this. This isn't new. We've been doing this for about nine years, but now it's the time to scale it to a high level. We want to disrupt the, the sporting industry. So right now we're working with football players, but within the next two to three years, we'll be working with athletes from all genders, from different sports, and helping them not only get to college, but helping them prepare to thrive in college and after. It's about the transition. Uh, we believe with Before You Go Pro that these athletes are the ones that have the work ethic, that are confident, that are strong-minded, that can actually help pull up our society because society is struggling, if you guys haven't noticed. But these are the kids that get up early on the weekends, they stay late, they get their homework done even when it's not easy. These are the ones that we need to support and we need to feed into. So with our company, we're a student athlete development company. Uh, like I said, we are going to be moving into all sports. We're currently building an app which is going to be dynamic. It, it doesn't even exist on the market. It's gonna keep these kids organized. Uh, it's gonna teach them about their core course, GPA, SAT, ACT content is, about, is a part of this. Um, them being able to interface and interact with other athletes and mentors that are former athletes are all gonna be a part of this app. Um, I can't tell you guys, Marcus knows about it, um, but we are in an investment phase. And this is a huge opportunity, you guys, to once again disrupt the market, make a lot of money, get a lot of kids to college, and have a lot of success. So if you guys are interested in finding out more about Before You Go Pro, as far as a business opportunity, I would love to share more. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and again, you know, I get excited because of the, of the things that I've seen and the conversations that we have. And again, you know, I take this personal because whether you like it or not, you know, I feel like today, and excuse my language, 
there's a lot of people that want to bitch and complain about yeah. our, our youth and, and where we're currently at. So again, the question for you today is, are you actually willing to do something and step up and be a part of the change? Or do you want to just continue to sit on the sideline, not do anything, not contribute, and not be part of the, the solving the problem? And yeah. for me, I love having you on today because you know, you put in the blood, the sweat and the tears and you've built and you've created this foundation. And, and I believe that you're right at that, that important pivotal step to where it's time to take this thing to the next level. And I know you're, you're doing the work, you're doing the research, you're working with the right people. Uh, to me, it's all about the team. It's obviously not a one man show. Yes. I know I know you can't do it on your own. And so, again, I want to encourage people to, to literally reach out to you, reach out to me through social media. I'll get you connected with Terrence directly. But you have an opportunity to not only change and affect, you know, the, the youth of today, but you can do some things that are just going to go on, you know, into the future. And you already you've done that. You have the documentation. You you have the kids that you've already worked with, which is which is amazing. And now these kids have are having opportunities in the NFL. They're having opportunities being being coaches and strength coaches. So again, I just want to applaud you. And and again, I, I love that you are on today to be able to share this message with everyone. Oh man, it's been amazing. And, and yeah, that is the, the goal. We want to create a legacy of athletes that give back like we are right now. We can duplicate this, everybody. We can duplicate this. So please reach out and uh, and help out because I would love to share with you guys how this is all going to unfold. You'll, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, brother, I want to end here because that was amazing. I Again, I appreciate you and I applaud you for just sharing your history, your story, your experiences, and then what you're doing today to help and to change our youth. And again, I'm just, I'm excited because I know someone listening today, whether it was players that we previously played with or someone that I don't even know, they're going to reach out and they're going to continue to help push this cause forward because I know I want to be a part of it. I know what's coming. I it's 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 literally amazing. So again, um, I just want to end. Obviously, I've I put this together for the people, for men and women that have gone through life after experiences, whether it's whether it's death, whether it's loss, whether it's your your college career, your high school career, your NFL career coming to an end. Um, we all have our own personal life after experience, and it's just amazing that I can have guys like Terrence Wood come on open up, be real, and share his story. And so, again, I just appreciate everyone listening today. And Terrence, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. Please do me a huge favor and make sure you subscribe to Life After. If you could leave a rating and share this show with friends and family, this will help us reach more people who may need the help. It could even save their life.